a shift this week uh, in the psalm. The first four verses are are dealing with, uh, with God as a shepherd, David placing himself in the role of, of one of the sheep. Um, now, uh, the last two verses, it shifts from uh, God as shepherd to God as host. Um, from four verses dealing with caregiving to two verses that are dealing with uh, hospitality. And uh, the, the shift, uh, it seems kind of random to go from shepherd to host, but, but I think you'll see the, the connections that, we, that, that are made as we look at this, this verse tonight. So um, let's, we'll start in verse 1, and we'll, we'll go through the, the shepherding stuff. And like I, said, like I say this, this every week, Hopefully, as you read it, you know certain things pop into into your mind and heart from the last couple of weeks. And, uh, verse one: The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Alright? So, um, some of the, the shift in, uh, in symbolism is, is pretty evident. Uh, you would not prepare a table for a group of sheep. Um, you would, they don't drink out of cups. Uh, the anointing with oil thing, uh, you know, I don't think you do that. Uh, and she, I don't know that they really make enemies necessarily or whatever. So, uh, the thinking of these verses in terms of, the, of God as host, you know, kind of makes sense because it it's just kind of makes sense. Um, what's being described is, is not necessarily, uh, like a dinner party, not that kind of hospitality. Um, but it is um, painting a picture of of what happens when uh, when you are a guest at someone's home. Uh, but in in this case, some of the language that's being used, and especially in, in the Hebrew, it's it's really kind of alluding to the to being invited to a to the royal uh, table um, that you're being invited into the presence of of the king, and uh, he is he has prepared a special place just for you. Um, the uh, the anointing of of the head with oil that was a, a custom is very dry there in in Israel and so that was a part of of kind of being refreshed when you got there as the host would provide certain things you know for your comfort just to kind of freshen up a bit from your travel over or whatever you might remember when when Jesus was invited to the home of of the uh, Pharisees and um, he is critical of their hospitality, and a part of what he's critical about is that they, they didn't provide oil for his head. Um, and I don't really know how this works uh, or whatever, but there was something about oil and like, freshening up 
from the journey and all that kind of stuff that was customary. Uh, it met a need, but it it really it it was a it was a gesture from the host to the guests, saying, uh, you know, I am am honored to have you here with me, and so this is is something to to uh, let you know that it, it conveys something. Um, the cup overflowing just basically meaning that there is is an abundance of of refreshment, of abundance of food, and abundance that the that the host. Uh, took the time and spent the money and did whatever it took to make sure that, that you didn't, you know, kind of barely have enough of, of what was going on there. So we're going to put verse four. We'll just leave it up there. Um, so that what's being described there, uh, there in, I'm sorry, verse five, uh, that verse is, it's this picture of hospitality. And, um, but, it, but it's more, more than just somebody had me over for dinner. Uh, you're the guest at a very important person's table. Um, and so what the what the verse is doing is it is it's pointing to to a greater reality. When we look at it in the full context of Psalm 23, um, it's it's this this verse points to the fact that there's something there's something greater going on than what meets the eye. That you're not just uh, you're not just sitting at the table. It's not just any old table. It's not just any old host. Uh, that that the Lord has prepared this for you. And so, uh, what I want to do is, is just pull out three three of these greater realities that this verse is pointing to. I think thinking in, in terms of of a greater reality being played out um, every minute of our lives is really really important for us. That we that we're fully aware and that we're embracing the fact that that what appears to be going on at the time uh, is is not the full extent of what's happening. That at all times, there is something greater than ourselves that we are connected to. There's a, there is something being played out. There's something that there's a part of the king and the kingdom that is being played out. So whatever circumstances or whatever we're going through, whatever's happening at the time, there's some greater reality that, that uh, prevails over whatever it is that we're, that we're dealing with at the time. Okay? So... So three, three of the of the greater realities that this points to, um, and they all kind of connect together. Uh, the first one is that is that our enemies are powerless. Our our enemies are powerless. Um, some of the the smart people who write books, uh, who pick this stuff apart, would talking about how part of the custom, whenever a king would would go in and there would be victory and he would. Would return to the city with you know his troops and everybody. They would have a big banquet, and they would you know part of the procession back in was they would march all the the prisoners of war that they took, and they were kind of on display of like you know look at, look at our captives, and a part of it and at times was they would they would have this big banquet and they would have all the captives like pinned up and they would make them watch the party. Like they would make them watch you eat. And watch the the generals and the king and everybody celebrate the victory, and so some think that's what this means about uh, preparing a table in the presence of my enemies. That the like the like the enemies are watching. Um, others think that maybe it's maybe it's it's not describing that scenario necessarily, just more of the fact that that David uh, at, when he was king and all the kings of Israel and everybody that was important. Um, what you you always had you always had enemies all around. And you never knew who to trust and all that kind of stuff. But um, we don't even know when in David's life he wrote this psalm. And so 
uh, what what I was thinking as I was studying it is like, well, what if this is like, I don't know, was, this is like David who is like still a shepherd at this point. He he hadn't been sought out as the anointed one. He hadn't gone into into uh, Saul's, um, you know, King Saul's group of men that he trusted. He hadn't become a general. He hadn't, I mean, Goliath hadn't happened. Like none of that stuff had happened yet. What if this was just shepherd boy David who loved the Lord writing this? Um, what if he was not thinking about people enemies? Uh, what if he was thinking more about uh, just like the, the normal like things that we feel like threaten us all the time? You know, the things that we would that we kind of chalk up as being threats and enemies and problems and whatever. Uh, and I, and I think I think for tonight, I mean, one day in heaven I'll ask David what he meant. But for tonight, for tonight, I kind of feel like the Lord's gives us some freedom since David's not here with us. I don't think. Um, what if we what if we think in terms of, of, of enemies as just the, the things in life that we that we sense as threats? For some for some it, it would be it would be people. You know? um, we talked in community group uh, the uh, or two ago about uh, retaliation and uh, those, blessing those who curse us and all that kind of stuff. And some people were like, I don't I think everybody likes me, you know. But some people were like, No, no, I have like. I have sworn enemies who I know, like I know this person is out to get me. Um, so maybe, maybe for you, maybe it is, is, you know, an actual person. Uh, maybe, but maybe an enemy for you is, is money. I know I've heard over the years some people say, you know what, I just, I hate money so much. I hate it. And we, and we feel like that is the great enemy of, of our lives. Like our finances are just always this threat to us, this burden, the thing we live in fear of. Is like financial collapse or whatever. Um, maybe for some, the, the enemy is just the fact that that you're in a job that you hate and you don't see any way out of it. Um, maybe maybe for some, it's it's uh, it's a specific relationship. Maybe it's within marriage. Maybe it's like a best friend. Maybe there's been um, there's been betrayal of some sort. Maybe there's a lack of forgiveness that's there. Like maybe it's maybe it's relational, but it's like really specific. Uh, and it's personal. It's not like some person at work that you don't like them either when it doesn't really matter. It's like someone you're like related to or something like that. Um, maybe, maybe for your enemy, maybe it's anxiety and the fact that you've just been crippled by it for years. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fears. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's idolatry. Maybe it's just like some sin struggle that you have, you've gotten so tired of, of, uh, of failure in that area that you just, just embraced it. Like, well, I guess it's part of, how I am. Um, what? It, let's take a broad definition of enemy, and let's let everybody in the room, like, define it however you want. Um, this this tells us he's preparing. He he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemy. That the greater reality that's going on is the fact that your enemies are powerless. Like, look at the verse. I mean, it says, even in the presence of enemies, whether they're whether you, you think of it as, or however you want to think of it, even in their presence, when it seems like, when it seems hopeless, and it's, there's a lot of fear, and things are oppressing, and it's just right there, um, that circumstance is lying to you, if you let it. But the greater reality is that you, our enemies are powerless against us. Saying in, in the midst of the most pressing and 
terrible things that we face, the Lord is preparing a table before us. Like He's he's hosting us. Our shepherd is hosting us in the face of whatever whatever is there. Reminds reminds me in John 16:33, you know, Jesus says, "In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world." It's pointing to this greater reality that the things that we think threaten us so much and the things we're so afraid of and the things we just we hate, we hate, we hate, we hate, they they don't have power over us. They are powerless. They, those things will affect us. If you're, if you're like directly in a simple pattern, it will affect you. It'll affect, it affects me. We, we live with those consequences. We deal with that. It's not saying that there are no consequences or it, does, it shouldn't affect you or whatever. It does affect us, but the reality is it doesn't harm us. That those enemies are powerless against us. They, they, they can't harm what they can't get to. And our shepherd is the one who guards us and protects us. And so that's one reality that is going on with us all the time. And this verse points to that. This greater reality that our enemies are, they're really powerless. But that connects to the second reality, I think, that we see here. Um, and it's the, it goes to the word, you prepare. Prepare a table before me. Um, that word prepare, it's not necessarily like saying like Jesus knows exactly like which fork goes on the outside and how to like set the table and he doesn't make good centerpieces and all that kind of stuff. That's not what preparing the table means. Um, preparing that, that word prepare is, uh, it has, you know, several different meanings. And when you look it up in Hebrew and it talks about, uh, not just preparing, but it, it means ordering. Like he, he orders the table. But one interesting thing I read this week uh, that my brother Drew pointed me toward was the fact that this word is used in a military context in, in, like in the ancient Near East. He prepares a table. So maybe think less table setting and more like, uh, like in the war room in any movie you've ever seen where they have the map on the table. And they're talking about like we're gonna we're gonna bring a front of troops here, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, and and there's there's that kind of ordering because it's a strategic ordering that goes on. He's preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He's he's ordering your life. He's strategically uh, setting things up for for two for two chief ends. The first end is his glory. The second end is for your good. So in the presence of your enemies, they are powerless. Why? Because he's preparing a table. He is strategically ordering your life in such a way that brings him glory and is good for you and for me. You might remember um, a while back, we uh, we went through... We're going to put these verses up, but you don't have to look at them. And we went through the end of, of Hebrews 13... Beth Moore preached this sermon at Passion, and she unpacked this word. And uh, we kind of we did it for in community group for four or five weeks. Uh, and it was in Hebrews thirty. I'm sorry, thirteen, uh, verse twenty. It says, "Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great Shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may He equip you with everything good that you may do His will." 
working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That word equip, uh, uh, Beth, uh, I like to call her Beth, those are buds. Uh, uh, Mrs. Moore went through and uh, she took that word equip and just went through uh, and all the different things in Hebrew that it means. And um, so equip also means prepare. That he is preparing us. It also means that he fills, that he is, is filling us with what we need to do his will. He's preparing us to do his will. Um, he is e- equipping us uh, with what we need to do his will. He is repairing and restoring the things that we've been through to, to do his will. And he is completely setting us up and with absolute success by His Spirit through the blood uh, to do exactly what needs to happen. It's the same thing going back to Psalm 23.5. He prepares, He's preparing, He has prepared a table for you in the presence of, of your enemies. So in, in the midst of, of just the garbage of life that we deal with, this greater reality is that the things we deal with, they're powerless. We, we tend to give them a lot of power. And I, and I hate that so much, but, but I've, one, one of the things that I've sensed in my own life of how those things get power is that I talk about them like they're powerful. As I talk about those things that are, that are pressing on me, the, the fear, the struggles, the baggage, whatever it is, like I talk about it so much and I wallow in it. Next thing you know, this, this thing has all this power. It's fake power. But in my mind, it's it's so real and so vivid. But in reality, they're powerless. So when when I am in connected to the greater reality that that reigns over my circumstances and feelings and all that kind of stuff, when I'm that, I realize that those things are powerless, and that and that God is preparing a table for me, that He is ordering my life, that there is a strategic plan in place, and he's working everything together, if, I, if I'll just quit fighting him and just humble myself and walk in obedience to what he wants to do and, and quit talking about those things and start praying about those things to him, then I, I fall in line with that. And, and his strategic ordering of my life, I just I fall right into that groove. And the table he's prepared, like the, the battles get, I mean, they just get they get to rolling. And that's the thing. He's not preparing this table for you in the presence of these quote-unquote enemies so that you can be destroyed. So that I can, so that I would wallow in it. His plan for you and for me is it's not for those things to triumph and to win. His plan is for Him to win. He's already won. And so, a lot of it comes down to to... We're, we're, what are we abiding in? You know that if if you're, I don't know, if if one of of your enemies is the fact that you just been through some garbage in your life, if you're abiding in that garbage, then then you're not living connected to this greater reality that he's preparing this table for you, that he's strategically gonna heal you, he's gonna wipe those things clean. You know he's gonna repair and restore you so that you can walk in His will in, in that area. So I think so much of it comes down to what, what are we abiding in? If we're abiding in our own strength. If we're 
we're drawing our, our own power, our own whatever, from ourselves, then, then we're working against the preparation at the table for us. Working against the God of the universe who is our host and our shepherd who is working things together. And so I think with those first two points, that our enemies are powerless, and really, I think the second point, if I had to articulate it, it would just be that nothing is random. Okay? Nothing is random. It's all strategic. The end goal of the strategy is His glory, our good. I, th- I think in the midst of those struggles, when you're, when you're sitting there and your anxiety is up or your fear is up and, um, it's just, I don't know, we're just kind of freaking out or we're, or we're, we're just completely, what I think is the worst one is, is apathy. We're like, I just don't even care anymore. When you're in that moment, I think, in a practical sense, that we have to ask ourselves, okay, what, what is real and true in this moment? Like you're, you know, like you're, you're in the, you're in the heat of it, you're freaking out, you're whatever, you're, you're, I don't know, whatever it is that's affecting you, and those enemies are getting the best of you because you're abiding in them, you just, you simply just stop, and you, like, call time out, and, and you pray that prayer. God, remind me what is about what is real right now. Remind me of this greater reality that exists above me. And let just you let Him host you. And you let Him say, "You're that it's powerless." And I'm preparing a table for you in the presence of this enemy. I'm strategically ordering your life. I'm I'm. Forming a strategy to bring you out of this. Quit fighting me. You're, you, you're not going to be able to do this. So quit fighting me. Abide in me. Let me show you what the strategy is. Let me show you what the one next step is in front of you. Not the 50 next steps. Let me just show you what the next step is. And then you trust me and you take that step and we'll, we'll just go one step at a time. And we'll let that strategy play out just right. To have the discipline in that moment to, to stop and to ask Him. And what happens is like, things get reordered when we're tapped into that greater reality. We realize, man, my king is not at risk. His kingdom is not at risk. So I live in His kingdom, so I'm not at risk. And while this is difficult, and why I, I, I don't like it and there are consequences and stuff like that, uh, whatever, I, this greater reality is that, that, that my soul is unharmed. And He will walk me through this. And He will heal and He will restore and He will get me ready. And all this stuff is not random. There's a purpose in it. I'm just going to trust Him as He leads me down paths of righteousness for His namesake. As He makes me lie down in this green pasture while He still waters because I don't lack anything because of who my shepherd is. It all connects. I know there's been a ton of overlap Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. I get that. But it's... That is Him preparing a table for us as a church. He's strategically saying the same stuff over and over and over again. Why? Because we're not listening very well, are we? We're, we're starting to a little bit. We're waking up to some stuff. Community group stuff's been good. Psalm 23's been good. But, but we're still not there. I think a part of what holds us back, I think, comes down to the third one, third point. Um, 
It was just simply that He loves us. He just loves us. See, the, him preparing the table, the fact that the enemy, because your enemies can't threaten you, he's preparing this table. Uh, the, the oil, the cup overflowing, all those things from the, from the angle of hospitality are because as the host, you want the guest to know that there's a special relationship there. That communicates something to the guest. That's why when Jesus was was uh, criticizing the hospitality that day, he wasn't just saying like, "Man, y'all didn't take very good care of me. My feelings are hurt." He said, "You don't you don't value me enough to put on display your your care for me." That's what a host does. Jesus was saying, I'm not important to you. And you might remember the story. It was the woman who came in and, and she had the jar of perfume and she started to, to anoint Jesus and she was crying and, and she was using her hair to wipe the tears off of him and stuff. He's saying, she values me. You don't value me. Because there was more going on than let's, than let's just have a nice meal together. Uh, the host wanted the guest to know something. And in this verse of this psalm, God is putting on display for our enemies and for everyone the fact that we have a special relationship with Him. That He provides for us. That He takes care of us. That the oil is there. That the cup never runs empty. That the table has been strategically prepared. That He leads us down those paths and gets us through the valley of the shadow of death and comforts us and guides us and all this kind of stuff because, because we are valuable to Him. And, and the thing is, like, I know a lot of us have been around church for a long time and you've heard that so much. And I was thinking about this last night. How come, how come so many Christians, me included, we're just not moved by that? You know, we're just we're just not we're just not in awe of that like we should be. This verse, like I, I, just, I wonder if 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 David is is writing this just in complete um, complete awe of the magnificence of God's grace toward him. He just—he can't believe the the strategy of the Lord in his life. He can't believe that that God values him so much to prepare the table, and to have the oil, and to have the cup, and to and that he that God's like, how, how else can I show? You, how else can I let you know? What else do I need to do to let you know this? And here we are. We've heard. I mean, we, we know Jesus went to the cross. We know that demonstration of love. We know, we know, we know. And for some reason, for so many of us, it just, it's just stopped amazing us at some point. And I think that's a huge part of what's missing. It's 
it's like sometimes like it it's like we're we're those like those kids who are we're just brats, you know. You ever worked around kids who who are just ungrateful for everything and there's this sense of entitlement, they're just whatever and they just, just they're just all about them, all about them, all about them, all about them. That's that's my walk with the Lord so much of the time. He's like, I die for you. I'm like, yeah, no, I know that. I know. I got that. Yeah, yeah. Read through Ephesians 2 about being separated and the great love that God has for us and brought us back together. You get further into there about those who were once far away but brought near by the blood of Christ. And I don't know why that doesn't make me weep every time. I know that I want it to. And I don't think it's from lack of knowledge. You know, like I think we know it. But I, I think, I think if, if I understood it more, like if I just really just let him love me more and more and more, I think I'd quit fighting him. You know, I, I, I think I would, I think I would live more of a Psalm 23 life than I do. I don't know, you know, it's not like a, some switch that you can just flip. But I believe the part of the first step is just, is just admitting that, yeah, you know, like I'm really, I really just don't, I don't let him love me very well. I don't celebrate that. I don't think about that. I just want him to make my life better, heal some stuff, make me Quit stressing out and quit this, and uh, I want to, you know, I want to raise, I want to live a little bit better, I want to be able to do this and this and this. And this. I, I want that kind of stuff. But we just we have to let him, let him display that. This verse is a it's a display of that love, and that's why he's strategically crushing your enemies and they have no power over you. That's why he wants. You're good. That's why he wants his glory. It's it's love. The entire. I mean, the whole Bible. It's just love, love, love. And the you know I know like sermons are supposed to be super practical, but I don't really have a practical one for this. I, I think a lot of the practicality here just comes down to. You just, just stop. You know, you just stop. You just stop. Stop with like the yeah, but what about this is and yeah, I know that and all that. Um, I do a fair share of sitting down with people and and doing counseling and that kind of stuff. And one of the hardest things to ever counsel someone through is is when you realize that they think they know everything. You're trying to tell them something like, yeah, 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 but you know, none of that, yeah, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And a lot of times, I just want to say, hey, we're we're done. Honestly, we're done. There's zero teachability, no leadability, no whatever. If you want me to help? I, I'm here to help, but really, I can't help you until until there's some humility that exists there. And I wonder if, in a similar way. 
if, if that's the, that's like the missing thing for us so much of the time. Is that we think, we think we get His love, we think we get the cross, we think we get grace, we think we understand all this and this and this and this. We're like, I don't, I'm not worried about that, I just want solutions. Jesus is saying, no, 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 the solutions like that flows from understanding this. Understand this first. Let's understand what's at the, what's at the, the deepest part of our relationship. That's what abiding is, and the other stuff will come. So why are why does he make your enemies powerless, and why does he prepare a table before you? The strategy in your life to lead you all this stuff, love. And none of that that I just said. I hope that doesn't come across as like, man, you know. Josh got this love thing figured out, and we should get on his level. That ain't it, because I don't, I don't, I don't understand this either. One of the awesome things, though, that is that he, he's not put us, like he's not isolated us from one another. The way he put the the church together was he put us, put us, and and we're all we're, there's this interconnection between all of us, and so we need to help each other figure this out. We need to help one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to have these discussions with each other. Um, and if that's not happening, then chances are not, a whole, we're not really probably moving forward very well. I remember in in college, um, we had this guy come and speak at this revival deal, and it was it was weird because man, he said some weird stuff. But the best thing he said, I think. Is that he got up one night and he began to confess how much he doesn't love the Lord. Um, not as this display, uh, and it wasn't a, a trick, it wasn't this manipulating thing or whatever, it was just. He said, I've just, he said, I've realized that, that the starting point for, is, is to confess the, that, that, those kinds of realities. And I don't, I'm not saying that our, that we're in that boat of saying we don't love him. Maybe, Maybe in this setting, the reality would be that we don't let Him love us. We don't thoroughly just drop the walls and forget all the yeah buts and what about this and we stop thinking we know everything and we just become humble and teachable and we just let the gospel just saturate us. And we're like we're like we we're like this like a sponge that you just submerge. And we just let him just fill up every single part of us. Maybe that's a part of what's missing for a lot of us in our discipleship and our, us following after him. And, and some of the fruit that we want to see is the fact that we're really just not we're just not abiding in that sense. Uh, so he he prepares a table for you in the presence of whatever is threatening you. He's displaying His love and His affection for you, for me. I think for us, we just we have to just drink it in. Just just let Him love us. Let's let's pray. God, thank you for uh, just your patience. I know that. Personally, I, I have no patience for people who think they know everything. I'm grateful that you uh, 
that your patience is holy and perfect, and that in in my case and so in every other case uh, out there, that you don't just get fed up and uh, just tell us, okay, you're on your own. That your love is it is enduring. It even endures through the times when we act like little brats who think we know everything. While we're we're grateful for the fact that our enemies really are powerless, and we're super grateful for the just to know that there's a strategy behind everything that you are that you're laying everything out, you're preparing everything, that you're leading us down a path of righteousness, and that it may seem random, but none of it is random. I believe that that the big. Uh, hinge point for us tonight is is that love for us. That in this verse you're displaying for everyone to see how you feel about the guest. And that is the throughout the entire Bible from front to back, you have put on display how you feel about us as your children created in your image. And through our lives, every gracious act, every salvation, every healing, every I mean, everything we can possibly list, all that is is your love on display. I'm grateful for the fact that you already died to forgive us of, of the sin of just forgetting. The sin of being callous to it. The sin of thinking we have it all figured out. The sin of, of just failing to be moved deeply by your love. The sin, honestly, of just not letting you love us. So I just pray that in these closing moments that we would we'd be the sponge, that we would, we would drink that cup down, that cup that it never runs out. And we'd just let, just let you love us. We will be humble, humble that we will be teachable. Just tell him. Just tell him whatever. Just tell him. And then listen to him.
I believe that Jesus speaks to us and that He's speaking things to you. I also think He speaks through songs that we sing. We're going to sing one that I believe paints an incredible picture. Uh, so let's let's let Him love us through this song as well.